Welcome to Earth. You're listening to ID4 Minutes at a Time, the only podcast dedicated to analyzing, scrutinizing, and celebrating the 1996 Roland Emmerich masterpiece, Independence Day, four minutes at a time. I am Kenny Madison, and along with me are my co-hosts... Lulu Nagel. Tyler Price. And joining us today to dissect this wonderful four-minute chunk is our very first guest on the podcast. Please introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Aspen Webster. Uh, Aspen Webster, what are your what are your descriptors? Oh, uh, as a person, just like yeah. who I am. Yeah, uh, because I would say that I am a uh, comedian, author, uh, raconteur. Uh, that's that's definitely how I. Tyler, why are you making that face? <laughs> it's I'm I'm often uh, thrown by Esquire and wonder what it means. And now raconteur has joined that list of. What, what exactly is that? It's like if Jack White were a lawyer. It means he makes trouble. He ah. makes professional trouble. That's what I would think. Certainly. <laughs> oh, descriptor words. Um, I would say, yes, I too am a comedian. Uh, I would call myself that. I would say a performer. Sure. Um, I am a uh, social worker by training as well, if that's interesting for anyone. <laughs> so... Uh, I'm, yeah, all around a smiley person, perhaps, um, and very much into watching films and pretending like I get it. <laughs> well, I dare say that you probably get it. Uh, I, I know that we reached out to you because of you're, you're just someone that has outrageously great opinions on movies. Uh, Tyler, would, would you say that that would be something that you would agree with, Tyler, maybe? Absolutely. Uh, Aspen and I have spent... Uh, many an hour dissecting films um, shortly after watching them and generally being angry at what screenwriters have done to us. Yeah, I would say uh, probably another descriptor for me is generally angry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see it. Oh, it's great. That's what, it's what you get. You get like a combination of just like you're angry, but you're laughing about it. I would say I probably come at it. I probably have a general feminist perspective. Ooh, go on. Oh, uh, I mean, I, I think just in general, I, that's probably the kind of conversations that Tyler and I have had. Uh, they tend to uh, focus on feminism in that space of probably any type of you know marginalized identities and, and discussion of representation. We should mention at this point that feminist film theory is a very valid form of film theory, and it's one of the uh, one of the aspects of critical analysis of films and so she brings a wonderful perspective uh, to the table when aspen and i talk film uh this is weird but for the uh, listener lulu is shaking her head vehemently no that's, that's what no i'm point. not this is a nod nod oh nod. no you know what lulu i see i see kenny using his raconteur raconteur skills which are a person who tells an- anecdotes in a skillful and amusing way. Just pull that one. R a c o n t e u r. Raconteur. 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 That's how I want to say it too. Because otherwise, it sounds like you're just running a racket. Uh, speaking of running a racket for folks that are playing the home edition of ID four minutes at a time, uh, this four minutes, uh, starts with a push in on a mysterious sound and ends on Jeff Goldblum looking at a chessboard sexily. Now, Tyler, uh, for folks that have been paying attention, what at home, what have we 
seen so far in Independence Day as we begin our minutes uh, four through eight. Excellent. So we've seen two things so far. We've seen a giant spaceship uh, headed past the moon, and then we've seen a group of scientists sitting at SETI who are agreeing, hey, that thing is really near Earth, and it's uh, definitely alien. And that's all the information we have so far. We have not introduced any of our main characters. We've got just those couple of bits of information so far. I would like to say this is very helpful for me because I have never seen this film. You've never seen this film? I've never seen this film, but it's worth stating that I very recently watched Stargate. So at least I am familiar with the director. Well, you are in good company on this podcast. Uh, while myself and Tyler have seen this film several times, Lulu, would it be fair to say that you've only seen four minutes of this movie so far? Um, you might have recalled from last podcast that I said I had never seen this movie because I was under the impression this was the fourth one in a series of Independence Day movies <laughs> because you kept calling it ID4. <clears throat> but now I understand that's the four minutes part. And I went to my husband. I was like, no, we're reviewing the fourth movie in the series. And he kept saying, I just don't think there was a fourth movie. I don't think there was a third movie. <laughs> There is a second. It was in 1996, and he said, that's when the first movie came out, and we saw this movie together. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I famously don't remember who I see movies with, or if I've seen them. So we can assume that I've forgotten most of the movie, because I didn't recognize anything in the first four minutes. So we're good. I've had two children since we've seen this movie, and um, it destroys a lot of brain cells. So we're good. That's I'm functionally that. a newbie. The podcast on family and child personnel. I mean, it has its rewards, but. <laughs> yeah, you're raising your children ID four minutes at a time. Yes. So ladies and gentlemen, at this point, we're, we're going to watch the four minutes. And, um, and Lulu is at some point going to go, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. This is, this is one with Will Smith, right? Spoilers. Uh, not yet. Oh, no. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers for people that have not seen the movie but are listening to our podcast for the first time in order to All try to figure of you. out I'm what sorry. I who decided you'd like morning. to listen to a multi-week podcast as an introduction to a film you have yet to watch. Yes, a 25-year-old <laughs> movie. Spoiler alert. We're about to talk about a movie. Look, we're hungry for content these days. We'll do anything. Here Let's we go. Are. Uh, we're going to watch this and we'll be right back. <laughs> oh, I hate when it ends. Oh my gosh. I'm really jealous of whoever gets to go next and gets to talk about Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> hey, you can, can still talk, talk about Jeff Bloom all you want. Yeah. Oh, excellent. <laughs> excellent. Here for it. Uh, so, some interesting developments happening there. Uh, first off, we cut to the Pentagon for just a little while where Malcolm's father from Malcolm in the Middle is no, wrong. Kevin. Wonder Years. Wonder Years. The, the father from Wonder Years is in the scene. And uh, and then uh, we find out something's going on. So they call the White House. Uh, they call the White House and uh, talk to the president. And, of course, instead of telling us what the problem is, they cut to the giant thing with the satellite running into it and then blowing up, which, of course, would never happen in space. 
we'll get into that later. And then, of course, we we cut to uh, Judd Hirsch uh, uh, playing chess with uh, with uh, the one and only Jeff Goldblum. Uh, Judd Hirsch, who, fun fact, he never knew he was filming. That's just the way that he acts all the time. <laughs> My parents watched Taxi growing up, and I watched a lot of Taxi, and he was, of course, a star in that. He's amazing in that. Yeah. Yes. From my childlike viewpoint, he was amazing. An amazing old man who wasn't probably really old at the time. I was just young. Taxi is on uh, CBS All Access. If you decide that you want to uh, rewatch, and it really is, it you couldn't make that series today because it it has lots of sober, reflective moments, uh, and a sitcom just couldn't take those things down. It's a great CBS series. All Access, please sponsor us. <laughs> You, I would be so happy if CBS All Access would sponsor ID four minutes at a time. Wow, I never seen Taxi. Nor, nor have I. Ooh, I, is this an age thing? Because Kenny and I are the same age. Yeah. Uh, it might be. It might be. It wasn't. It had some very famous people in it. Yeah. I'm looking them up right now. Daniel. Yeah, Danny Daniel DeVito. Yes. Daniel DeVito. Tony Danza. Jeff Conaway. Tony Danza. Oh, Tony Danza. Huh? I was thinking. He's your Tony Danza. Danza's for money. Danza's for. I don't know the rest of the word. Driving you around. And we're, we're missing the big one. Andy Kaufman. Oh, there okay. you go. But no one really cares about that. Anyway, we're on the wrong show. <laughs> Yeah, if you want to listen to that, you can just listen to Lulu's and Tyler's spinoff podcast, The Taxi Minute, where they review each episode of Taxi Minute by Minute. It will be going on for thousands of days. <laughs> Weirdly, my husband and I used to watch this all the time. <laughs> I love how heavy-handed they are with uh, showing you where they are. You know, we're about to go to the Pentagon, so here's Iwo Jima. Yeah, right? Big scene of Iwo Jima. And then, you know, the military palace. And I love they're all decked out in their finest with all their ribbons on for just another day at work. And the one military person, personnel opening the door for the commander, signaling his power that this is the highest status guy in the room. He doesn't open his own doors. We open his doors for him. And then they walk into that command center where they roll out a great big film. <laughs> we don't, the computers are down, but we do have this. We've taken our time to develop a picture on this film using some chemicals in the back in our black room. Our <laughs> <laughs> we had time to do all of that. We were out of fixer, so we used vinegar. I mean, it just seemed like... It was just funny to me, but it was very important. What do you think it's like to work in the military film development room, Lulu? I, I think there's a lot of um, large negatives that we develop about space and stars i just imagine that it's, it's just like someone that works at the cbs photo development like as a 17 year old still <laughs> who's like can i help you general like i i, I, I developed your photos this one's just in your knee <laughs> see now i'm picturing a little booth in the middle of the courtyard of the pentagon where they drive their cars up and hand them the film and um, for uh, Kenny and Aspen, that makes no sense. You have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about when I say that. But they used to have these little houses and parking lots. It was like a short stop. You know the short stop burger places that are so small? Yes. Well, it was a film development place like that. 
It was a drive up only. That's where people dropped off their film to have developed. Cool. Slow, slow down, slow down. What is driving? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what so this I was is. A... It's like Uber, but you're doing it. Oh. oh. How does this go TikTok? <laughs> oh. I, I don't understand yeah. TikTok either. That's... <laughs> <laughs> I was the yearbook editor in my high school, and we had a dark room in our classroom with this. It was a round door that was two two round cylinders, one inside the other, and the inner cylinder, you know, had a hole in it for a door. So you could go in, and you'd have to spin the door around manually, and then it let you out on the other side in the dark room. And I'm claustrophobic, and I would have to go in that stupid dark room. And sometimes that door would get shut, or sometimes someone would be funny, and they would stop the door and catch you inside this black cylinder tube. So I have great memories of this and i never want to be the military film developer in the pentagon they are constantly making the same joke that i made when i was in your book which is when someone was going into the dark room you would say why don't we go in the dark room and see what develops <laughs> well done well done so you said that you were up for funniest person in austin once tyler that's what two-time finalist in the funniest person in austin contest a long time ago he spent all his good jokes there. Yeah. I, I was pacing myself. I didn't know I'd need any of those jokes oh. 25 years later. <laughs> uh, so not only did we see the dad from the Wonder Years, uh, Dan Lario, we also meet one of our uh, characters that we're going to be with through the entire movie, General William Gray, uh, portrayed by Robert Loja. Which one was he? Right, not the one, with the, not the, not the little glasses guy. Not the glasses guy. The other guy. Not the glasses. He was the general. He, he was the, he was the one in charge who, who they showed him the stuff and he's like, oh, give me the president. And then he ripped the phone off that woman's desk. Yeah. I, think, I, I imagine that is what every general is like. Like, open my door. I'm going to have to pick this phone up myself, aren't I? How do we know that's not an outright <laughs> Uh According to the audio commentary, apparently uh, people called Robert Loja the turtle on set because, uh, I don't know if you put this together, he looks like a turtle. Oh, gosh. You know, that was before Mitch McConnell really made it famous. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch McConnell really kind of commandeered the market on people that look exactly like turtles. Robert Loja, best known for Independence Day. <laughs> Robert Loja, according to Wikipedia, best known for films such as The Greatest Story Ever Told, Revenge of the Pink Panther, An Officer and a Gentleman, Scarface, Preetzee's Honor, Oliver Company, Innocent Blood, Lost Highway, uh, return to me and most importantly tim and eric's billion dollar movie and also a brief cameo in independence day resurgence but we won't ever talk about that oh that's the sequel <laughs> cool. yes but, which was intended to be a new franchise builder and it was not Ty tyler this is an independence this is an id4 resurgence at a time this is id4 so we're going to speak about the movies independently Oh, God. I just want to say that I was trying to write down some notes while we were watching those four minutes of, of cinema. Sure. And my first note is just, where's Goldblum? <laughs> so I, I was just like, where is he at? 
very thirsty thing to write. (laughs) (laughs) And then all you get really is a wrist. I know. That's all all she did, but it's okay. You get a little tease and you get get a nice uh, face shot. You get a shot of the face. I think it's called a facial. Yeah, you get a nice facial uh, of gold bloom, which is really also great. Glasses, right? I, I have a personal theory that glasses make people at least 20% hotter. Um, oh. The kid in that first scene, too. Glasses, 20% hotter. <laughs> 20%. It's 10% for each eye. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So you only have like a spectacle. Only 10%, like a monocle. A monocle. Uh, by by kid, are you talking about the president's daughter? No, no, just the younger person in that scene with the general. Oh, but yeah. he was he was on reporting to the general what had, what had happened. It's slowing down. He had glasses. Sure. I I liked that. I didn't know that was the president for a while. I just thought that was some dude, you know. And then he puts on his robe, and they surprise you because he has this normal life inside of his bedroom, and then he walks out puts his robe on and he's the you know the the biggest most powerful leader of the world in his robe walking out and I found myself envying I, I said to myself I wish I could just put on my robe and go to work and then I thought oh yeah that's what we do now in the pandemic I have, <laughs> I have that life into pandemic's day yes into pandemic's day um his wife also got to play the president on Battlestar Galactica. Yes. No way. Got really excited. Isn't that interesting? Really, yeah. Yep, when I realized it was President Rosalind shows up. Yes, we are, of course, talking about Mary McDonald playing uh, the wife to Bill Pullman's President David Whitmore. Mary McDonald playing Marilyn Whitmore. Uh, Bill Pullman, his best work has to have been when he was in uh, The Terminator, uh, followed by his work no. in... Uh, Tyler? Uh, in no. That's not aliens. It. No, Tyler. I think you're. Uh, no, more it's just called aliens. Tyler. It's not. No, aliens. I don't. He was not in the Terminator. He's not in Aliens. And if you're going to say that he was in True Lies as well, uh, he definitely he was, was in not. True Lies. No, was, Tyler. He's not in True Lies. It's a. That's a completely different Bill. You're thinking of Bill Paxton. Bill, Bill Pullman. This oh. is Bill Pullman, not Bill Paxton. Oh, he was in Twister. Y'all, my notes literally. My notes are literally say Paxton versus Pullman. <laughs> I literally wrote that down. Really? The Paxton yeah. versus Pullman, whoever wins. I was wins, like, uh-oh, which bill is it? <laughs> and I was like, wait, Paxton's the one from from uh, Titanic. <laughs> so, uh, they, His chemistry with Jamie Gertz and Twister was really fantastic. No, no, that's that's <laughs> Helen Hunt. Jamie Gertz is, I'm pretty sure, the name of the character that she played on Mad About You, Tyler. That's Now, Jamie Gertz was, in fact, the actress who played the uh, ex-wife who was trying to get... Or the new wife who was trying to get the signature to marry. Whatever, dude. Never mind. If you're of a certain name, you know who age, you know who Jamie Gertz is, and that's a funny, funny thing. And you would have enjoyed my comedy in the 90s. <laughs> when I was a winner. Uh, yeah, Tyler, you're a regular carrot top. Uh, oh, pretty good. You reached uh, back there. I'm also- a canhead guy. <laughs> So I, I'm also going to mention that that they show us uh, that they uh, the opening shot of the movie showed um, showed the moonscape that had uh, the American flag and the plaque uh, that that uh, commemorated our going to the moon. Right. So those were there. 
And how did they show us that, that we were in Washington? They showed us the Iwo Jima flag thing, right? And then how did they show us that they were now in New York? They showed us the Statue of Liberty, including getting a close-up of the fact that it says uh, July 4th, 1776, on her, on the book, right? So they're showing us these things that are celebrations of human achievement, or American achievement at least, uh, as they're going through and showing us these images, right? They're setting us up for, hey, iconography means something. And they're showing us those those places by showing us um, the memorials that we've set up uh, in those places or for those uh, men, for those women, for those concepts. Uh, and, and I guess that, that I'm going to say that as... Uh, and, and then they also... Uh, the opening four minutes that we watched showed uh, the spaceship looming over everything. Well, this time we actually watched a piece of technology that was tiny, tiny, tiny crash into it and explode, which couldn't happen in space. Uh, but you keep you um, keep saying this. There's Tyler, no right? oxygen in space for fire. Space is a vacuum, which is why in the Bill Pullman movie Aliens they say no one can hear you scream in space where there's no oxygen. <laughs> So wait, uh, <laughs> just so we're very clear here, because <laughs> I know that there's no sound in space. Also, my partner is a science teacher, and he's going to make fun of me for this. Uh, there's no sound in space. We know that it's a vacuum, right? Yeah, it would make sense. There's no... There's no explosions in space, unless that satellite was a satellite that had canisters of oxygen on it, <laughs> um, which I don't know why would you would shoot that into space. No, I Googled it, and space is almost a perfect vacuum, but gas and dust particles do float around out there. The medium that fills the space in the universe and around the stars and galaxy, galaxies is called interstellar medium. Ooh. That sounds so made up. But they are... <laughs> you've got It's mostly hydrogen and dust, guys. And I wanted to point out what, um, what Tyler was talking about, all of these American icons... All that filled me with dread because I thought they were sh showing us all the things that are at stake. Like, we are going to blow up all the things that are precious to you when we come attack you. Your Statue of Liberty, your Iwo Jima, your Pentagon, your New York City skyline. And then they show some of our best technology, a satellite zooming around in space, hurling into this enormous, like 30 times bigger spaceship as if to say, you are no match for us. That's some really powerful visual storytelling. As a person who's only ever seen Stargate by the same director, <laughs> I feel like that's a lot of the, the same vibes. Because like Stargate, if you've seen it, I feel like starts out this way too, and then just like kind of devolves. Uh, but it has like a real sort of what is the human hubris of this? Um, which honestly, right now I am feeling. <laughs> so. Uh, I mean, this is the thing that Roland Emmerich comes back to in his filmography over and over and over again, which is just how much American iconography can we examine? How can we examine the American experience and how can we blow it up real good? Like that's because, I mean, his career is just disaster movies. And I think it's definitely diminishing returns uh, way after this. But this is, for, for me, the perfect synthesis of all of that stuff coming together. And for folks that might not know, Roland Emmerich was born in Germany, specifically West Germany in 1955. So whenever he's making movies for Americans, uh, he's coming at it with a German perspective 
mm. which can also help distill the American experience into something that's a lot more concentrated because he's an outsider who's got a completely different perspective. As we watch and we see the iconography that he chooses, it's, uh, it is uh, going to continue through the course of the film that we're going to see. Uh, he, he is destroying the things or he is setting us up to, to be reminded of and then destroy the things that, it, that we hold dear. Uh, and I, I think that, uh, that it is very powerful um, visual storytelling. It's, um, now, I'm also going to talk about the fact that we, we met some people that this has a cast of thousands. And we met some people and we started learning about them. Robert um, Loja. They, yes, Robert Loja. He to the movie. No. Yeah. Let's take it one, one step back, past there yeah. to uh, it, Bill Paxton. No, Bill Paxton. Bill Pullman. Pullman. It's Pullman. So the Bills, as we call them, uh, in, in screenwriting, there's a thing that they use called the three Ps. Aha. Pullman three Paxton. Who's the, who's the other P? President. Pullman Paxton president. Absolutely. That's it. Um, the three Ps, uh, when you have a character that you need to give information about, um, there's, a, there's a thing where we're going to learn about them uh, in three different ways in a short period of time. Uh, we're going to learn something personal about them. We're going to learn something professional about them. And uh, we're going to learn so personal, professional, and uh, 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 personal, private. Pr- private. And we're going to see a private moment. So um, in this particular case, um, we, we have now gotten lots of that information about Bill right here in the beginning, haven't we? He's wearing, wearing loungewear. It's very right he's wearing loungewear and he's hanging out with his daughter and he's talking to his wife this is all uh this is all private and personal right we're learning he's a man who is uh very powerful but he loves his family uh he has a daughter he has a wife right we're learning this information about him and then we cut to him having the the talk with uh his advisor who talks to him about how the job is going right and they don't just have her give the speech they also Cut to uh, the the McLaughlin group uh, as they're talking about how he is. Um, uh, we wanted a, a a fighter, and what we got was a pushover. How on earth is this guy the president? So we're finding out professionally things aren't going very well for him. We wanted a warrior, and we got a wimp. Yep, I love that compromise means wimpiness. <laughs> Jeez, that's that's American again. American iconography at the beginning is. Uh, Bill Pullman's uh, president, David Whitmore, is such a subversion of the expectation as well at the beginning that also just makes him that much more likable because you expect your American president hero to be like, we don't compromise, especially in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're living in a post-diehard era at that time where, shoot, uh, Air Force One comes out and it's Harrison Ford literally fighting terrorists on Air Force One. And we're introduced to this character who is the leader of the free world in bed with his kid watching the McLaughlin group. And what an interesting commentary on like uh, what is a masculine sort of perspective of like firmness. Um, Because I, I, okay, I've never seen this movie, but I I know that they're how it turns out. And I know there's a big old speech about independence day. Right. So it's like, 
uh, the character growth and development of being this person I'm assuming serves him, but also comes down as like, we can firmly do this. I'm going to guess that we win. I don't know. Did we win? I don't know. Maybe we're in some weird post. Don't tell me. I can't remember. Dream. Matrix time. Yeah, don't tell Lulu. <laughs> she can't remember. Uh, but um, that kind of, and we kind of use this term sort of haphazardly, but sort of toxic masculinity that's a part of what it means to be firm, to be a leader, when that doesn't necessarily have to be the characteristics that lead you to success and to winning. Uh, and so the kind of softness of that private world and that life of caring and, and gentleness and also youth versus age, uh, I find to be, I, 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 yeah, he's immediately likable. And also I, I was very frustrated. I mean, because that the assumption based on that, that's like, compromises is weakness he couldn't even pass his crime bill uh right which we assume that that's something that is bipartisan everybody always votes for the crime bill and this is i you know in the in the 90s that was actually a big thing is uh under clinton they passed a crime bill that was just awful uh, in the long run but but it's something that both parties could agree on is let's let's clamp down on crime um which basically criminalized it being to be black but you know i it they they tried to to say hey even even the most uh easily negotiated things are no longer working for this president he is not a popular guy so yeah so like you say he's likable and they gave us that personal and private moment of him with his family and and sharing with his wife so that we can identify with his character and not just go in and go well okay no one likes him no no he's a likable lovable guy who uh is not apparently moving forward in a direction that's getting anyone what they want he's like the person at the beginning of the uh the rom-com who just like keeps on spilling her coffee guess carol can never win (laughs) (laughs) but this time carol is the president in, in screenwriting, we, we talk about what people want and what they need, right? And and in this case, uh, they're establishing that he wants to be a good president um, and uh, he needs his family. And, and so we're, we're making, we're establishing characters. And this has a cast of thousands. And it's important that we know that about him. So then we cut to uh, a park in Brooklyn and we, we learn a little bit about another character who's going to be important here. So we're, there's a, che- a raging, exciting chess game going on in Brooklyn. And we see the very sexy, toasty brown wrist of Jeff Goldblum. Of Judd Hirsch. <laughs> no, 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 Jeff Goldblum. Uh, and does anyone remember what they were talking about? I nope, was, I so was fixated, on the, so, yep, fixated <laughs> on the wrist. And disappointed there was a wedding ring. That's all. Indeed, there was a wedding ring. So what did we, we found out something personal about him in the very first shot that we see of him, right? We see a guy with a wedding ring. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is uh, there's some good visual storytelling that's happening here. Tyler, They're I'm telling looking. telling us things about these characters. I'm looking at the footage on playback. No wedding uh-huh. ring. There is no yes, wedding ring. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. There is not. I'm looking at it right now. I could share the screen with you. Again. Yes, do it. And I also would like to know if anyone plays chess, like at what, where are they in their chess game? And if there's any hidden symbolism in that, like what moves they happen to be making at the time. It's going to come up later, later on in this scene. 
Wait, really? Oh. Right there. You, you missed it. Maybe that wasn't his wrist, but. He's got a wedding ring on. Right there. That's what I left. There's oh, two right bra- there. You can see it in the upper left-hand corner. Yeah, see Lord, but that's not where the focus is. The focus is on the right hand, not the left Indeed, hand. Indeed, but they're showing us. A- Kenny, you're just not trained to look for wedding rings. Look, <laughs> I went. Uh, I. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so you disrespect the establishment, Kenny. Okay, so in this chess game, are they doing anything special here? Yeah. What they've established is that you you don't know it, but this is the big crux of David's problem in the movie david being jeff goldblum of course Tyler. Mm. uh he waits he's a waiter he likes to wait so again in one brief little scene we're getting a bunch of personal information about him i we've found out um you know he's he's the type of guy who's sitting and playing chess with his father he's smart he's uh he's personable with his family um we're finding out information about these people and again we did see that ring as as the camera was coming down, so um, that may or may not become important shortly. It's going to be creepy. Uh, I did not notice that it was his dad. I didn't know it was his dad either. That must yeah. be information we learn later. I mean, they're similar types of. They, they visually they're pretty similar. They're both wearing sexy glasses, you know. Yeah. Uh, In and... real life, Jeff Goldblum and Judd Hirsch are only eighteen years apart. Uh, so they had to put Judd Hirsch in age spots and age up his hair to make him seem older than Goldblum. Give him a cigar. It's interesting. I I have no insight into chess, uh, unfortunately, since when I was very young, someone tried to get me to play it, and I panicked, and I've been panicking ever since. Uh, but I hope that there's a visual representation that's going to echo later. Right. Well, I mean... If you think about chess in general, like chess is a war game, right? Like it's, mm. it's literally set up to be a war game. Mm-hmm. And so if you are locked into what is an, a, an imminent battle with a, a force that's greater than your own, what are the plays you can make? Even if you're just a pawn, how can like a small, like a small soldier take something that is so big as the queen? Good job. So you're saying that the emotional symbolism wouldn't be nearly as strong if they were playing a game like, I don't know, don't wake daddy. Yeah. I mean, if you could break just... the ice. <laughs> yeah, if you could explain what Don't Wake Daddy is, I bet I could make it work. <laughs> uh, well, the game, I don't know if you can put this together, but the game is about going around the house doing shenanigans, but not waking Daddy. But if you wake Daddy... So it's really about silent rock on tours. <laughs> yes. <laughs> can you be a rock on tour and be silent? Um, daddy, yeah, daddy here is, uh, uh, death, death coming for all, the death of humanity. <laughs> and, uh, we got to sneak around and we got to try not to die <laughs> as these aliens. That's why we brought here is for the feminist film theory perspective <laughs> on game theory. All right, let's, <laughs> let's play this game. Um, but we're panning down. Uh, we see Judd Hirsch and Jeff Goldblum are playing a game, but what are they playing this time? They're playing Hungry Hungry Hippos. Aspen, what's the symbolism? Go. Okay. Aliens are gonna chomp, chomp, chomp. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all just marbles rolling around the universe? <laughs> Succumbing to forces that are much greater than we are. 
Well, what are we going to predict what the next four minutes is going to be? Absolutely. Uh, Aspen, for you, since you might not have listened to our first episode yet, because technically it's not out yet. Uh, <laughs> we like to ask Lulu, considering that she doesn't remember this movie at all, what she thinks is going to happen in the next four minutes, minutes eight through 12. Well, I'd like to hear Aspen's answer since she's actually never seen it. You're going right. to like say something and they're going to be like, that's exactly right. And you're like, aha. <laughs> okay. Then we'll ask Aspen this time. Aspen, what do you think is going to happen uh, in oh. minutes 8 through 12 of Independence Day? Okay. In terms of movies, we got the introduction of May. Maybe we'll do some more character intros. I don't know when Will Smith shows up. Maybe not him. Maybe later. He probably shows up like halfway through. He is in it. He is in it. Oh, whoops. Spoiler. That's... <laughs> I think so. It's not going to be him. I think maybe we'll get a little bit more of Jeff Goldblum's. Like, what is his whole deal? What do you think his deal is? I think he's the kind of guy. Jeff Goldblum works so well. I'm stealing ideas off of other podcasts and commentaries. But Jeff Goldblum works so well as the guy who's not the main guy. Who is the kind of like slightly like weirdo side guy. And so... Um, making his strange uh, character moves, which is why Jurassic Park, whatever, didn't work. <laughs> and so, but I think his deal is that he's um, a fighter pilot <laughs> who's uh, has problems with uh, commitment. <laughs> okay. like, great. Absolutely. <laughs> I think I'm also going off of one photo I have in my brain of Jeff Goldblum and Wilson. I have just realized that I'm, I've been confusing Men in Black and Independence Day. Outstanding. Wonderful. Yeah. It's like someone took this little device and flashed it at you, and you can't remember either movie right now. That little device is children. It's a lot like motherhood. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So we're going to find out more about Jeff Goldblum, who's a fighter pilot who has problems with commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to get to the aliens have to make their first sort of strike to up the ante. So they're going to laser beam part of Brooklyn and destroy probably that chess set. We're going to see that happen. Hit right we're where they were sitting. Beam the chess set. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see, uh, we're going to learn more about Jeff Goldblum, just like Aspen said. And he's, we're going to see who's, whose ring that is he's wearing on his hand if she's alive or dead maybe he's a widow and uh, find out what his job is I I worry very much for everyone's family the movie did a great job of making you worry about people's families because they spent time showing us families of these characters and not just people right it's the relationships are you are you saying that relationships are what make me care about people I don't I'm saying they give us personal and private moments on purpose. And so, uh, and in this case, they're choosing to show us families um, and not just standalone characters, right? So, yeah, it might we, be important. We, we see Bill Pullman and his daughter, and we see Jeff Goldblum and his father, and we see Robert Loja and the father from Wonder Years. It's all about families. Yeah. See, it's all about family with the father from Wonder Years. Oh, and Aspen, another father that we missed from the first four minutes, um, the father of James Spader's love interest, uh, the leader of the village, yeah. 
uh, in Stargate, yes. is in the first four minutes, he's one of the scientists that are at SETI. So again, dads are everywhere. I wish James Spader were in this. What a weirdo, you know? Anyway. <laughs> uh, Lulu, were you about to say? I wanted to say that the fact that the mom of the of the daughter, of the president's daughter, is far away from them gave me special dread because if something big is about to go down, she can't get back to protect her family and be there for them. And that separation and anxiety of not knowing what's going on there and being a part of it and being able to make decisions and help protect really caused me dread. Yeah, maybe everyone in line for the presidency is going to die and then she will become the president. No, no, that's Battlestar Galactica. Oh, what? She's (laughs) the Secretary of Education. (laughs) Oh, man. Sometimes I think about Devos, and I'm like, no. <laughs> anyway, oh, Battlestar Galactica is so good. I just rewatched that recently, uh, and that show, the original series. I watched the original <laughs> series. I did. I watched 1980 as well. I watched Battlestar Galactica 1980 for the first time. I thought it was kind of fun, y'all. They go around on With motorcycles. The superpowers and the kids on Earth. Yes, they go around on motorcycles and they say solve crimes, and it's fun. Uh, hot 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 take i think i kind of like 1980 a little bit more than the original because it was very clear that they just didn't care about science fiction so once they kind of got rid of the most science fiction aspects there the show was like oh this is the stuff that they like does that mean that both of them are particularly good not really uh and then i also watched uh but this isn't battlestar galactica four minutes at a time you should be this is ID four minutes at a time. Uh, we've got our predictions for what's going to happen in the next four minutes. Anything else uh, before we wrap it up, folks? Special thanks to Aspen for joining us yes. today. Thank yes. you so much, Aspen. So where nice where can you. people find you around if you would like to be followed on things? That's interesting. Because um, I don't have any like official... I, yeah, I was a comedian. I'm an improviser. I guess, you know, I do a lot of shows primarily at the hideout theater in austin uh, a lot of zoom shows right now um but i don't know what else will be coming up in the next few months uh, i do that primarily uh i'd say probably there i mean so go to hideouttheater.com to yeah. check out more things with aspen see some intelligent compassionate playing uh on stage you're Thank incredible. You. I'm right now thinking about that duo show that you did with other uh, comedian improviser Theo Daly. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I think I call myself a comedian, but maybe what I am is a deeply emotional, funny actor. <laughs> so, <laughs> appreciate it very much. Like Bill Paxton. He's a deeply yeah. emotional, funny actor. Game over, Tyler. Game over. Tyler, Lulu, can do you want people to find you online? No. that's what i was thinking i was like i'm not giving you my personal instagram (laughs) um i i typically perform on saturdays with comedy sports austin it's a 7 30 show on saturdays uh it's through zoom uh you can find us at comedy sports austin.com and uh and it's a lot of fun it's a clean comedy show with uh lots of heart and uh yeah come check us out and you can find me on my other podcast, Shame Watch. You can find us uh, available on all podcatchers or shamewatch.podbean.com, where you can listen to the raw episodes, uh, as well as our Patreon, patreon.com slash shamewatch. 
I, I believe that's everything for ID4 minutes at a time, folks. Uh, until then, it ain't over until the fat lady sings. Thank you.